I'm your host as always, Phil Brown, joined with my regular co-host there, Cal McFadden, on his belated birthday. It was his birthday yesterday, unfortunately, didn't get the birthday present that we all wanted him to get. Um, before we get into the obvious news, mate, let me welcome you to the show. How are you doing? I'm I'm doing well, personally, Phil, and, and you, you hit the nail on the head there. It was my birthday yesterday, and the last thing I wanted on my birthday was for, for Ole Gunnar Solskjaer to, to leave the football club. Ultimately, I think it is the correct decision. We've spoken about this for weeks, that from a coaching and managerial point of view, um, United had to make a change. Um, however, uh, those upstairs at the football club should be considering their positions, but pigs will fly before that happens. Um, so not so much about Ollie leaving the role as manager has made me upset because I knew that was going to come, but it's just a manner of all. It's the fact that they could easily have done this over the international break. They could mm-hmm. have given him some dignity. Um, and even just the, the way he exited, um, it was just really, really sad. And it says everything about the man that he wanted to front up. It was his choice um, to speak to, to, to MUTV and give that interview. And his emotions just summed up why all of the people that are online, all the anonymous accounts, all these people that have probably never stepped foot in Old Trafford, um, who, who continually berated him and abused him. I hope they hang their heads in shame because he spoke with dignity, he spoke with class, and for all his potential faults towards the end as a football manager, as a man and as a human being, I've, as I say, I've been lucky enough to meet him, an incredible human being and someone who will always be a Manchester United legend and someone who will always have my respect and I wish him Nothing but success and happiness in his life, whatever he does next, because he was a good bridge from Mourinho to what's going to hopefully come next, as I'm sure we'll talk about. And he'll always be remembered at this football club. And, and God bless him, because when he was shedding those tears yesterday, I was holding them back when I was watching it, trust me. Yeah, I mean, if you're a human being watching what Solskjaer did yesterday, he classed to the very end. Um, and you weren't moved by that. And I don't understand you personally. Um, it, it, normally when we do this podcast, I have a, a, a litany of notes and talk about the results and different statistics and different things. And I have nothing, nothing today because my heart is broken. And I don't want anyone making comparisons to Mourinho. Well, you weren't like that on the Mourinho. This is not analogous to Mourinho. So what I'm trying to say is, man, this bit, uh, broke my heart. Right. Jose Mourinho didn't score the winner in the European Cup final off his football club. Ole Gunnar Solskjaer did. Ole Gunnar Solskjaer could have left his football club numerous times when he was a player, and he was a magnificent player. Top clubs all across the world wanted him. It was more important for Solskjaer to sit on Manchester United's bench with a Manchester United shirt on his back than it was to play for somebody else where he could have made more money and probably could have propelled himself into a much greater profile of a footballer. But no, he didn't. He stayed loyal to the football club. And I'm going to talk about loyalty because this is something that really grinds me right now. Right? Uh, this guy has given everything in his professional career for his football club. Absolutely everything. And it's not a crime to feel doing the best you absolutely can to fix his football club. He gave everything. And I'll tell you something. You see these bastards that abuse him. Have you never backed a friend? Have you not a fucking loyal bone in your body? Have you never taken a friend and backed them, even if they're wrong? You little scumbags. I'm not talking about his critics, Callum. Critics are fine. I'm talking about the little scum. Forgive my language that abuse him day in, 
day out that abuse every other people on the internet who think it's funny to throw around words like like pedophile or nonce because they think they're funny. And at the first sign that something isn't going their way, they throw the they throw their dummy out like spoiled petulant children. What have you done for me lately? Now on to the next shiny new toy. Who we got next? You see those people? I don't want them to experience success at Manchester United. I want them to leave. They're the most toxic scumbags. And I'll tell you something. They're not Manchester United fans. They've attached themselves to this football club. And they're one step down from the toxicity of the Glazers. I loathe them with every sinew of my body. And I'll tell you something, Cam. I used to try to play. I used to, used to try to bat down the middle. I used to try to turn around and say, well, got to come at these all points of view. You've got to realise that some people feel this way. And, you know, don't be. I no longer care. I don't care. I don't care what you think of me. I don't speak for you. I speak for myself. I don't care what you think of me because I love that man. Right? That man has done so much for this football club. That man gave absolutely everything. And I'm glad to see him out because I don't ever want to see him booed by Manchester United fans again. I don't ever want to see him taking the abuse that he's taken from the vile little scum that call themselves Manchester United fans that hide behind, you know, <clears throat> pseudonyms and hide behind different pictures. And, you know, I loathe them and I pay them no heed going forward, no quarter. They're irrelevant to me. I will, I, most, of my, my, most of the time I don't read my mansions because it's just filled with these arseholes, right? And I don't like you, okay? I don't. So I'm sick to death of it. The way that man was treated in this whole process is totally unacceptable. And honestly, Callum, I, 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 I despair going forward because I have nothing in common with these people. And Pacchettino, I'm telling you right now, I can understand why you need like Pacchettino for all the wrong reasons. And I'll get to him because he's not a gentleman at the minute. He should be looking at the way Solskjaer is being treated by so-called fans. He should be looking at this going, do I really want this? Is this what I'm going to experience? Hey, because he will experience it. right? And I'm telling you, that man Solskjaer to the very end. Who does an exit interview for the fans? And he in tears. Mate, it broke my heart. And I don't care. I don't speak for anyone else. I don't speak. I don't expect you to feel this way. You can dislike me for feeling this way. I really don't care. Right? Because some things are more important than wanting to be liked. I love that man. That man conducted himself with dignity to the very end. I've had that man's done my podcast numerous times. That man sent a, a video message to my kid, my child, for his birthday. The week, a week later, he wrote a letter to a dying friend of mine. The dignity in class to the very end. He's a Manchester United legend. And if anything, Callum, I actually love him more now than what I did before he came. Right? Because I will always remember the dignity with which he conducted himself right to the very end. Magnificent human being. And I, I, I completely accept it was time to make the change. It was time to do the, to, to bring this to an end. But mate, there's some people, we talk about players taking a good look at themselves, or some people need to take a good hard look at themselves and ask themselves, are you so treacherous and spineless that you've never backed another human being shown an ounce of loyalty, you lowlife? Gary Neville, Phil, said something today that, that made, that, or yesterday, sorry, that made me actually quite proud of him as well as a Manchester United legend. He, he was asked about Ollie and the fact that um, he wouldn't ask for him to be sacked and, and, and I can understand people saying oh you're a pundit, you should say this and Gary said something that I think was very important he said I will always back a man who I know and love over an entity and I think that sums up 
what friendship and companionship's all about. You, you mentioned backing a friend, uh, backing a close family member. Th- these are things that you do naturally. And I fully respect people like Gary Neville. Um, they, they pointed out faults in Manchester United's game, faults in the tactical um, elements of, of, of Ollie and his setup. But as a man, they never got personal. And no, nor should they have, and nor would I ever expect them to. The people who have got personal with Ollie are, as you've said, people who don't know him personally. Um, as I say, I've met him once. I'm not going to claim that I've, I've known him for years and years and years. But what I have uh, seen is him play for Manchester United for many years. I've seen him manage Manchester United now for numerous years. And until the very, very end, he never once threw a player under the bus. He never blamed his staff for his own um, failings in the end because obviously he's lost his job. He... Well, rightly or wrongly, and I know certain people online, oh, I should have said about the Glazers, oh, I should have said about Woodward. He, he, he kept a very um, dignified response in light of any question that was thrown at him. And for me, I know I know we talked about Maguire last week, and I, and I don't want to make the show about him, but Ollie could easily have thrown him under the bus at the weekend. And, and I'll be honest with you, with the emotions I was feeling, I probably would have. I'd have probably thrown him under the bus weeks ago because he's been really annoying me mm-hmm. with his performances, attitude, and just everything about the guy that since since the Euros. But it sums his class up that he may have done that privately, but in public, he always backed his players to the very hill. That's what a good manager does. Those people online that slag Ollie were the same people, fellas, who know that were slagging Mourinho when he was throwing Sean under the bus and the next one and the next one under the bus. And and, and, and for me, these people will flip-flop. You mentioned Pochettino being the, the next big thing, the shiny new toy. Three months from now, it'll be Poch out, get Ten Hag in. It'll be get Ten Hag out. It'll be get this next guy in who we've watched on YouTube or we've watched two games in the Champions League on our televisions. Get him in. They always want the next big thing. They want the next transfer, the next spiral social media story, the next bit of attention to fill their own egos. And, 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 and they will always chase that. But to bring it back, the man gave us hope again. That's the thing I would say with Ollie. People will say he didn't win trophies, he didn't do this, he didn't do that. He gave us hope again. After Mourinho left, Phil, I felt hopeless. The football was turgid, the atmosphere was toxic. He gave us Paris within a few months, albeit maybe, yes, maybe he got the job a bit too hastily, but he finished third, given where he came in was very good. He then followed up with a second-place finish. Yes, Villarreal is, is a painful, painful night that none of us will forget, but he gave us hope again. We won 9-0 in a, in a match. We scored five goals, I think, under Ollie in 12 occasions. Under the last three managers, we'd done it twice. He gave us hope. He gave us a bit of swashbuckling football. It hasn't worked out this year. The change had to be made, but I am genuinely thankful for the job that he done because, as I said, when Mourinho left this football club, I felt hopeless and I just felt devoid of passion. And that's the way you should never feel of Manchester United. You know, I want to say something in defence of the club, Callum, because um, it's very easy for everyone to look back you know, and say, we shouldn't have had the job. I want you to think what would happen... Let's say Cantona gets a job on an interim basis. <clears throat> and over the next 10, 15 games, you need to play exceptional football on the front foot, destroying teams. How could you turn around and then say you're not getting a job? Especially when you consider the contrast between what's gone before and what is. And this is what people don't have to remember because you're looking at a decision now, not through an emotional lens anymore. Now, every decision you make is emotional. I keep hearing it's emotional decision. It's not possible to separate emotion from a decision. We're human beings, right? Just some have more than others. Um, <clears throat> however, 
Slowskill came in a club legend. United were completely lost as a football club, Calum, right? They were trying to restore some some sense of identity, some solid footing. And Solskjaer provided that for him. He was a club legend. He was the complete antithesis to Jose Mourinho, right? He wasn't this arrogant guy that every success was mine, every failure is yours. He knew the football club. You trusted that he loved the football club enough to sacrifice his own personal interests for what was right for the football club. I never believed that with Mourinho. Right, and that's okay. You know that that that's fine, but I can completely understand why you need to give Solskjaer the job. And I'm sorry, you can talk about oh he's not a top level coach and everything. The biggest if you if, if there's if a guy comes in and shows competence doing the job, right? That's the best parameter you can have for whether someone's competent at the job or not. Not a resume, not past success or past failures. If you come in and show a, a a, a nice and an, an ability to do the job that counts for something. So I, I, I completely understand why you never gave him the job, and I completely understand why now they don't, why they had to sack him. Um, I talked to a senior individual at United yesterday about this, <clears throat> and they're obviously devastated, right, over having to do this. And what they turned around and said was, it had to be done. So there was an acknowledgement that we'd reached the end. Uh, United didn't want to do it now, um, for obvious reasons. They want to avoid an interim situation again. Um, it is extremely disappointing. It, it broke my heart. Uh, I, I'm, you know, I, I really hope Solskjaer comes back to United in some capacity. I really hope it's not the end. I don't want this to be the end for Solskjaer. You know, Liverpool fans found the ability to respect Douglas when it didn't work out for him. They also acknowledged we need to make a change. We all, as football fans, are romantics, right? Ask Real Madrid, you know, does uh, role mean the same to them as, I don't know, Tony Cruz? I'm going to say no. I'm going to say that Real Madrid fans identify more with their club legends than what they do with those who have been there for a few years. I don't know why this is complex, why people are expecting Mourinho to be treated exactly the same as Solskjaer. It's not analogous, they're completely different. So I'm sure that's the case. Go ask Boca Juniors, did they identify more with Maradona or Pochettino or someone like that? I mean, it's ridiculous. Of course, there's club legends that are treated differently for obvious reasons. And then it should be. Because the people who aren't club legends also treat Manchester United differently. Now, Jose Mourinho didn't treat Manchester United the way a club legend would have. I'm not saying he's wrong. I'm just saying that it's different. So <clears throat> um, I got angry in the first excerpt, the first uh, first um, first segment of this uh, podcast, and I use some language that I don't like using, Callum, but it's a reflection of my anger towards those treacherous people that haven't got a loyal bone in their body. That. You know, the the personify the old saying, if you want loyalty, get a dog. I mean, a grown man behaving like petulant children. Hey, by the hey. way, and by the way, there was another individual who's a fan camera, by the way, who tweeted me, and I'm sorry to do this, but you're beneath me. I will not respond to you. I I, I have no respect for you whatsoever. Um, and... Um, I do not feel compelled to respond to you, and I think you're beneath me. And I, I'm not being arrogant, but what I mean by that is <clears throat> I have no respect for your position. I have no respect for what you're purveying. Um, I have no respect for what you're asking people to do. 
Um, I have deliberately chosen not to interact with you, so I'd appreciate if you did the same with me. Uh, I chose not to respond to your silly little jab simply because I have a litany of stuff that I can absolutely eviscerate this individual on. But again, it's a football opinion on Twitter, so it's best not to do so. But what I will say, what does bother me is I, and when I, when, let me be clear, Calum, who I'm talking about here. I'm talking about the people who were on my timeline when I turned around and said I was worried about Solskjaer and the impact on his health that this job was having. People who came back and said, I don't care if he dies. You see you. You are vile. You are scum of the earth. You are an absolute cancer to this football club. You are someone that I loathe with every sinew of my body. And you are someone that Manchester United, the vast majority of Manchester United fans, cringe with embarrassment. You have nothing to bring to the table. You have no value. You are an oxygen thief who unfortunately attaches himself to this football club, which means I've got to see you on my timeline. Because if you genuinely lack the ability, I mean, I, I wanted Mourinho gone, no question. And in fact, I completely accepted that Solskjaer needed to go a couple of weeks too, and it should have been done then. But there's a way to do things. You, you must always, always retain your dignity. And I think that's something that so many people need to, to take <clears throat> heed of because at the end of the day, you can think someone is an average football manager, a terrible football manager, a brilliant football manager, whatever it may be. And you can give that opinion while being dignified. I mean, to to make crass comments and pretty to- I say pretty toxic, deeply toxic um, and, and, and concerning comments about an individual who you don't know personally or you haven't met personally, it, it, it's bizarre, it's, it's, it's delusional. Um, and as I say, I'm not saying you shouldn't have an opinion, neither are you, Phil, but do it with respect. I mean, there are football managers out there who, when they've been in jobs, when I've, I've watched football my whole life, and I think he's a pretty average football manager, he's a pretty average player, but never in a million years would I, would I, would I, would I wish ill health on them, never in, mm-hmm. in a million years would I, would I wish their family any pain, themselves any pain. Mm-hmm. I would hold an opinion and I would quantify it by saying, I think he's an average manager because X, Y, and Z, but he's an average player because X, Y, and Z. So, so these people need to to remember that being being emotional and maybe playing to what they think is the gallery, it might get you two thousand likes and it might get you a video that gets fifty thousand views on Twitter, but that passes after a day or two. Then we'll remember you for those comments. Your employer will remember you for these comments if you've got your real name attached to them. And I mentioned real name because I know certain individuals don't use the real name, but but that's another thing. Um, so I think it's important to, to always take heed of that. Retain your dignity. Mm. We can all disagree. We don't always agree, Phil. I mean, we've had the discussions on this show in the yeah. past where I've backed a player and you've disagreed or vice versa, but you do it with respect. And that's something that I think a lot of people need to, to as I say, remember because that man we're talking about and Ollie, he showed the utmost respect for the fans of the football club, for the football club itself, the players, the staff, everyone, until the very end. And even after the end of that interview, even after the bitter, well, the, the bitter end in terms of being booed, etc., he still retained his dignity. And for that, I will always respect it because it's just... You see all Mourinho, three weeks before, four weeks before, three months before he left the football club, he knew he was leaving, he was mm-hmm. engineering his exit, he was getting ever closer to stage left while throwing toxicity into the press and, 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 and he showed no respect for the club or its fans. This man was the complete antithesis, he was the opposite of Mourinho 
and for me he will always be a legend and if you are one of these vile people who forgets things easily then as you've said Phil I'm not interested in you and you're better off um, not being on the timeline because if you can't bring rational debate then I'm not interested. What's your issue if you're if you're one of these people that <clears throat> that um, so vituperative and spit abuse at Solskjaer and it's tautological, right? It's just repetitive nonsense, right? What is he, what's he guilty of? He's guilty. Let's just say, and 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 in the coldest possible terms, he's guilty of not being good enough. And you think that justifies abuse? Because one thing he's not guilty of is a lack of ethics, a lack a work ethic, a desire to improve. I I I love the football club. Everything. That you measure a human being by. He scored 10 out of 10. Guy conducted himself with the utmost dignity and class, no drama. Protected his players. Protected those people. All of them. Just, they didn't deserve that protection. Players that have let him down. Absolutely incredible human being, incredible man. And someone that I will miss. I desperately wanted him to be successful. Desperately wanted to see him win a trophy at Manchester United. You know, we live in a, in a, in a dark world, Calum, right? Um, it's filled with darkness and sadness. And just once, I wanted to see the sun break through the clouds and have a romantic story and well, with Solskjaer winning a trophy. A wee man I love from my childhood. Not just because of the wonderful player that he is, but because of a wonderful human being. I can't miss as the manager of Manchester United, man. <clears throat> Arguably the biggest job in world football. From a selfish perspective, I look at that and go, this is a man that gave me a time of day every time I asked him of it. Anything I asked of that man, not a problem. Charity work, not a problem. Dying friend, not a problem. Talk to you so we can talk to our fans, not a problem. Happy birthday to your kid, not a problem. Just a total gentleman, right? Now I accept that that's not grounds for keeping your job as Manchester United manager, I get that. But I'm talking about the way this guy conducted himself every single day. If Solskjaer became aware of something, that somebody needed something, he would do it. A, a remarkable human being, and my heart is heavy. I could only watch that accident a few once. And I'm trying not to let my voice crack me, because if a star won't stop, I love that man. And I'm so grateful for everything he did for his football club. You know, as you pointed out, he didn't turn around and blame the players. He protected them. More than what they deserve to be protected. In the last two weeks, Paul, Paul Pogba and Harry Maguire both sent off. Players who he's protected. Players who he's got the best out of. Players who again let him down. That's his captain. A guy who put his fingers in his ear against Albini. I just wonder if you're so scared you're watching Harry Maguire score against Albini. What are you thinking? Well, you think that you answered your critics playing for another team against a nation that isn't I mean, I don't want to be disrespectful to Albanian, right? It's not exactly stacked with Galacticos. You answered no critics. You are supposed to be 
one of the world's top centre backs. You don't answer critics against Albania, Harry. You go answer critics against Watford instead of letting your manager down. Now, I almost think if United had a lost that game 2 1, Sotsky might still be in a job. And I think those last two goals were the final nail in the coffin for him. I think those were the two goals that tipped the scales, that tipped the balance, where United said, look, 4 1 away to Watford is just awful. And there's no question whatsoever it had to be done. I said last week he had to be saved from himself. And I believe that. He wasn't going to quit. He wanted to turn it around somewhat. And then he turns around in that accident of you telling the players to enjoy being a Manchester United player. See, he wants those players to feel about Manchester United the way he does. You know, and I, I, what would have happened if we would have got Ballion? And what would have happened if we would have got Holland? You know? Wonderful human being, Callum, <clears throat> and um, I will miss him dearly. Um, I will always have tremendous gratitude for him. And, uh, you know, I think if you're a younger generation fan and you don't remember Solskjaer playing, you don't have to love him, but at least respect the fact that he's a club legend, that he's done everything for this football club, that this is a guy that will be hurting as much as you, if not more. But I'm glad he's out of it now, mate. I really am. I'm glad he does not have to face this anymore. I want to see him be a pundit. I want to hear from Susquare. I don't want him to go anywhere. Just a lovely, 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 lovely man. And uh, a United legend to the core. And for people like myself, this is a very, very difficult day, mate. Um, you know, sort of, really, like, like in, in another way, mate, I was sort of relieved, you know, because I didn't want this to go on any longer. And it shouldn't have, it shouldn't have happened. I was talking to United, an individual at Manchester United yesterday, um, one, a high-ranked executive, and I was saying to them, you know, we really shouldn't have had to have experienced the last couple of weeks, you know? And I can understand the club's perspective because they desperately wanted it to work. They didn't want to do this, you know? He's a thoroughly decent human being. That counts for something in this world, mate. I understand being off. I understand being winning. Everyone wants to win. But your characteristics as a human being matters in this world. They absolutely do, and, and they absolutely always should. And um, I, th- I think, as you've said, I don't want to see, I don't want to hear, I, I don't want to, um, so sure, to, to disappear off into the, the sunset. I want to hear them speak mm-hmm. about Manchester United yeah. on whether it's on television. I want to see him, um, maybe not right away, of course, because he'll need time away and he deserves some time with his family um, to to come back to Old Trafford and be able to take a game in and enjoy it and, and to be respected by the fans in and around the stadium because for all the emotion and the anger at recent results, I think I think people will look back on his stewardship of the football club um, in a real positive because I think it's Gary Neville again, I reference Gary again, but he said again several months ago that the worst thing for Ollie is he'll be a bridge between Mourinho's darkness and the next successes that the football club have. And that could well be the case. Whether we trust United to get all of this right, as I'm sure we'll come to, is another matter. But he's definitely left the club in a far better position than he he inherited it. The club has really good players. It has a squad that you could say lacks a bit of balance in two areas, maybe. But I don't think it's in need of major surgery. I still think this is a good 
a good Manchester United side. I've not said a great side, but I do think it's a good side that if you get a so-called quote-unquote elite coach, they can come in and help um, move United towards where they want to go. I don't think you'll get them in the next 18 months, in all honesty, but I certainly don't think we're five, six, seven, eight, nine years away where, let's be honest with you, I think a lot of us feared after after Mourinho and certainly after David Moyes, which obviously has proved to be the case. So for me, he'll always be remembered as, as, a, as a legend of the club, also an effective bridge because whoever comes in now, should, if they believe in themselves and their coaching acumen, they've got a cracking group of players for them for the most part there to work with. You look at the attacking talent United have got. I mean, we've talked about the coaching and the patterns of play, Phil, and, and as much as we love Ollie, that was always a concern. If you get a manager who's going to prioritise those and focus them, he's got a, a litany of attacking talent to pick from and potentially create create even more great moments for the football club with. So, as I say, I think it's a, a deeply sad day. As I've met Ollie, as I say, and he treated me with the utmost respect and every single fan um, who met him that day. Um, he had time for everyone. He was happy to speak. He was happy to get photographs. He was happy to sign things. And he took a genuine interest in people. And I hope that he can continue to take a genuine interest in Manchester United from afar in a stadium or on television because he'll, he'll never be forgotten. And as I say, I think he'll be remembered fondly for his managerial spell once the emotion passes of this. Well, first of all, Callum, I think we can say, I will say with absolute certainty, let's say Solskjaer had a left in the summer. Let's say he left the day United signed Ronaldo, right? You, I would say with a high degree of certainty that he has left Manchester United in a much better place than when he found it, right? And I still believe that to be the case. I still believe that the United that he inherited is very different than the one he has now. Like you just said, right? So Manchester United are sitting, Callum, uh, eight points off Liverpool, right? Not insurmountable, right? They're not going to win the league. But they're sitting there eight, nine points off second, off City. There's only 12 games being played. Now, when you look at when Solskjaer signed Bruno Fernandes, you know, that was pretty much February 1st. And yet he put a run together from Dan that finished where United finished top four. And remember, up until Christmas, United had a relegation form, right? So it is set up for a Thomas Tuchel type situation. And to be quite honest, see if someone came in, Callum, that's, you know, don't win the league. But there, you can clearly see there's massive progress being made. Questions are being answered. There's confidence in the process. There's confidence. I'm okay with that, right? Um, and maybe winning a trophy here. I'm not going to lie. I would give anything for a Thomas Tuchel level of influence at Manchester United to still turn around, right? And I do want to look at a guy in the dugout and have trust and confidence in him. I never trusted Solskjaer as, you know, as a coach. I never trusted him 100%. I was always hopeful, desperately hopeful. But here's my issue with Pochettino, mate, right? And why I have concerns. I fear you don't want them for the wrong reasons. You and I talked about this on this podcast, and we've been talking about this numerous times, about the fact that when Ferguson left, that power was usurped, okay? And in some sense, I understood it, right? We were very rarely do you have a manager at any football club these days that, uh, you know, has so, so uh, such ubiquitous control. So, okay. Um, the problem is they're putting uh, control in the hands of people who don't know what to do with that. Now, it's been years, you would like to believe, that has 
changed. But the fact that it hasn't tells me that it's deliberate. It tells me that what you see isn't an accident, right? Because you don't have the resources to fix things, right? If they really wanted, if they really wanted the club to operate in a different way, they would. So what you see isn't an accident. This is what you need to do. The thing is, the Disneyfication of the brand has meant you know, they don't have to prioritise winning because they'll generate profit regardless. Um, uh, this is why I really don't understand how aggressive they are over, you know, FIFA using their, their brand and everything because there's no question that's a net positive, right? Um, and it's probably a more effective marketing uh, platform than the games themselves. Uh, I know, for example, my son's trying to turn 15, so he's the quintessential typical American young teenage boy. And most of his friends, they don't sit much Premier League, but they're aware of lots of the players through video games, right? As Which has then resulted in them asking for shirts and everything else, right? So um, I look at that, I don't understand it, 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 why United... Um, aggressive but the thing is it's not a football club that is desperate to win because the 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 metric of success at Manchester United as we both know by the people on the board is about profit and loss they believe they can still make money and Woodward's famous quote you know Liverpool didn't win the league for 20 years still made money we could do that 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 that, that, that's a concern for me I think if he could walk that comment back he would right um and so I look at that and I think one of the things that I want in this next manager is a manager that's offended to lose, right? Not a manager that's okay with losing because he wants to win so pretty, right? And that's my concern with Pochettino. Is he offended at losing? I don't know. You know, there, there's no excuse for not winning the for not winning league. I'm a PSG team, and Callum with Manchester United. When you take the Manchester United job, what you've essentially done is consented to every failure and every success being isolated and amplified, okay? So if you've been successful, your successes will be, you know, evidence that uh, you're going to be a great manager. There's the, the, the crescendo of, you know, of, of praise and everything else. It's going to go all over, over the top. But your failures will come into short focus, the minute you start playing bad. When I look at how Pochettino finished at Spurs, I never felt that he was so offended at losing those games. He was loved, really well liked, but I don't know if that's always a good thing because there has to be some heavy... See, there's a difference between fear and respect, right? People who spank their kids think they get respect. You don't, you get fear, right? There's a massive difference. Uh, you're just too stupid to know the difference. So for me, I think um, there's a difference between fear and respect and when you're the nice guy all the time, to me that when you're so, so this is going to sound cynical, but someone who's extremely nice to me is a, is always compensating for something in my opinion, right? They're always trying to hide some insecurity about themselves. They really want you to like them, and they don't trust their own personality enough. They don't trust themselves enough, so they go out of their way to be nice because they fear that. Uh, their default set and won't get the job done. That concerns me. Solskjaer, yeah, or, or Pochettino, and there's a difference, by the way, between a great coach and a great manager. They're very different things, right? I think Pochettino is a very good coach. 
And, you know, Callum, this, this mistake's always made when I see people upload clips of Monday Night Football and I see a three-minute analysis from someone talking about a low block and all this and lots of, bo- lots of people get the pants down and then start rubbing on, right, having a tug over it. If you can't turn around on Monday Night Football and have a, an extrapolation of football logic and parlance, you shouldn't be in the Premier League. And by the way, that doesn't make you a good manager, right? Because managing people is totally different. Yeah, you've got to manage egos. You've got to manage so many different automaticities, so many different variables. So because you can talk, you know, using football parlance about low blocks and double pivots and everything, doesn't make you a good manager. Massive difference. So I think uh, you have to be careful about getting seduced by these, you know, those Monday night football appearances. Every single Premier League manager or any manager in the top four divisions could speak exactly like that. Or Manchester United's women's manager who, uh, you know, maybe I'm just a, 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 you know, an old dinosaur mate, but uh, some of the, <laughs> some of the lexicon, the vernacular that's used by uh, Mark Skinner, is it? Um, is uh, yeah. is extremely interesting to say the least. Um, it, uh, but anyway, um, as far as an interim mate, who would you go with an interim for the rest of the season? Let's say that's that's where you need to go. Let's say they don't get to their, their main guy. Who would you go for an interim? I, I'll be honest with you and say that I really, really, I really don't know. And the reason I say that is because how many. I don't, again, I don't want to be disrespectful to people, but how many people are seriously going to accept to come in for for six months and then leave the club knowing that they really are only there as a sort of plaything until the end of the season? I, I think the calibre of coach or person that would be willing to do that, either as a club legend, and we've been down this route with, with Ollie, or mm-hmm. someone who is just happy to turn up and say they've been at being the Manchester United manager. Now, again, that's a very, very, very cynical um, viewpoint. People might completely disagree with me, but I just think it takes a certain individual. I mean, Gus, mm. I think, was the prime example. He's 75 yeah. now, so it won't be him. But with Chelsea, he was, he, he, the main reason I think he was able to do that is because deep down, he was an international manager at that stage of his career. He was comfortable managing international teams, and that was what he appeared on the outside to enjoy doing. So... Going into Chelsea for those two six or seven month spells was a new challenge for him, but he knew he was secure in what his um, line of work was. And when I look at it, some of the names that have been mentioned, Wayne Rooney, Steve Bruce, obviously former players, could they come in and hold the fort for the rest of the season? Probably. Does that mean I think United should do it? I'm not quite sure. I've heard heard Arsene Wenger. And a few people trying to put his name in the fray. Would he want to leave FIFA for six months at Manchester United? Again, I don't quite know. So uh, the, the question about who the next permanent manager should be, I think, gives me much more clarity. I, I'll be honest, Phil, I just worry. And again, call me a cynic. United have three good performances under Michael Carrick. Yeah. I think Michael Carrick keeps it until the summer. Yeah, I mean, look, I could definitely see United going in the interim until the summer. I think what they will do, I think they'll avoid making a repeat mistake of where someone comes in, has this exceptional, you know, interim period and then gets the job. United have to remain, you know, AC Milan, for example, right? So um, AC Milan wanted to employ Ralph Ranić, 
and they had done a deal to bring Ralph Ranyak in uh, last season. And um, uh, Pioli had the job until the end of the season. But he'd done so well that they ended up cancelling that. Now, Milan are sitting joint top right now um, with Napoli. Uh, 10 wins, two draws, one defeat. So, you know, that can happen. And it could, and, and, and this is, the, uh, I mean, merely bring this up to illustrate why was Solskjaer, you know, gave him the job and completely understood why they did, right? Emotion matters, Callum, right? You know, when, fo- supporting a football team or sports in general is 99.9% emotions, 0.0000.1% logic, right? So emotion matters. Now, what I will say is it's not fair for the club to turn around and say, well, you wanted him as fans, so don't blame us for appointing him. No, 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 no. First of all, you're paid a lot of money to act professionally, not like a fan. Secondly, your analysis means you're privileged the information that fans aren't. You know, so it's not... A fair comparison to turn around and say, well, you wanted them to. No, yeah, I'm a fan. I'm not doing forensic analysis here. You are, and that's why you're paid seven figures, and I'm not. So your job is to get it right. What you need, where this is a test of Manchester United, a couple of things. First of all, Callum, it's really, really important that the guy who comes in behind Solskjaer shares similar ideals. When I, and some people will shriek at that, but what I mean is, United can't have a revolution every time there's a manager. Right, you talked about this with Les Reed, right? When you had him on to him, the managers have to come in and adapt to the structure of the football club and say, "Look, we're, a, we're Barcelona are a four-three-three club. We want a guy that comes in that adapts to that ideology. We don't want a guy that's coming in that's going to play five at the back. You know, just our squad isn't set up like that. We're not going to overhaul the squad to give you a squad that can play like that. We don't have the resources to get it wrong. See, with United, it's not about going out and spending eighty million on a player. It's the fact that they can't afford to get that wrong." Right, City can afford to get that wrong. Chelsea can afford to get that wrong. You know, if United are getting battered over forty million, Van de Beek, how often is the H playing? No one cares, right? And and you know, you go through, you see this at Arsenal too. You know, Pepe, you know, Pepe's been a flop, right? No one cares, right? So uh, Naby Keita hasn't exactly fulfilled his, you know, his price tag. No one cares. United, they care, right? So I think. Um, when we, when we look at uh, what United are going to do going forward, I think actually Wayne Rooney is a good shot, mate. But what I would fear with Wayne Rooney is a similar situation to Solskjaer in the sense that he comes in and does exceptionally well. He's popular United fans, and it would be very difficult to wrestle that from him, you know. Um, but it is really important United do not, they, they, they have a very clear vision of what they want to do, implement it. Um, I criticised their handling over previous managers. I honestly, maybe Solskjaer shouldn't have got the contract in the summer, Callum. But in all honesty, I can't really fault United for how they handled Solskjaer. He deserved to get the job, right? It's easy to turn around now and say he wasn't a top-level coach. But back then, it doesn't matter what your resume is. It matters whether you're winning games, right? Lots of great managers had crap resumes to begin with. You know, Ferguson... I technically as a field St. Mirren manager, you know, since we use past failures to defend. So I don't understand how we live in a world where people don't realize that failure is absolutely fundamental to success, right? I mean, you know, when we commit of our mother's womb, we're not born. You know, Johan Cruyff, you have to fail. 
So I don't understand why people insist on defending people by past failures as if that's evidence that they can't possibly ever be good enough. Yet you look at almost every successful manager or anyone in any field and failure is everywhere. Henry Ford, failure, right? You know, uh, Lincoln had, um, he had uh, breakdowns, you know, nervous breakdowns. Like, there's so much failure in people's route to success. I don't care about that, you know? So to me, I, I don't, these odd metrics. So Wayne Rooney, I think, would be a good shot, mate, towards the end of the season. Because the other part of this, Callum, is you need someone, this is why things are done is a better candidate than Pochettino. You need someone, before they lift a finger, can walk into a dressing room and command immediate respect, okay? And <clears throat> I feared when Ronaldo came that Solskjaer no longer had the profile to do that. And as long as Ronaldo and him were pulling in the same direction, everything was fine. But the minute it came down to me versus him, that's a favorite. Solskjaer doesn't win. Um, so you need someone that comes in that gets the respect of those players immediately, right? That they trust, that they will follow his instructions to let her, that they can't blame. They can't turn around and say, yeah, it's not us, it's the manager, right? And so that they were able to do that with Solskjaer, were able to do that with Van Hal. And one of the other things, mate, that you'll see everywhere is you're going to see a ton of leaks now, right? Cast your mind back to Van Hal. When Van Hal was being sacked, an individual called <clears throat> Wayne Rooney met with all the press and he proceeded to give a run-on version of events of all the negative stuff that had happened inside the football club. And so there'll, there'll be a bunch of leaks, there'll be people protecting their reputations, wasn't me, wasn't me, wasn't me, right? But bottom line, Suskar was let down by those players. And lastly, mate, on this topic, United, if you go back to 2013 when Moyes took over, mate, right? Remember that Bayern Munich game in Champions League? Remember the shock on Moyes' face when Everett scores that goal away from home, right? <laughs> because the reason why it's important, mate, is because it's a reminder that at that time, United didn't feel they were even close to competing with, the, with Europe's best, right? They felt they were some way off. And they were right. <clears throat> Yet here we are, eight years later, uh, circa a billion spent and we are still in a situation where if we scored away from that way to Bayern Munich in the United States we'd be shocked but what's been the most consistent thing since 2013 it's the people above the manager that's the one thing that hasn't changed okay so you can't talk about meaningful change Callan until you're willing to go there because these are the people that appoint these managers these are the people that sack them these are the people that approve unbelievable contract extensions. And yet, I believe if their hand wasn't forced yesterday, Solskjaer would still be in a job. They No, that's okay. But I'm just saying, they accept failure results in you losing your job. But why don't they apply that to themselves? They, they don't apply it to themselves because at the end of the day, if they leave Manchester United, how many of those people... I don't know them personally again and I'm only I'm only stating what I think many people are thinking here. If Ed Woodward and Richard Arnold left Manchester United tomorrow, would they get another job in football? I don't think so. I really don't. I I, I think they've got an incredible 
amount of power and influence at Manchester United through their connections to the current ownership. And I think that is... I think that's going to be very hard to give up. I think that's been the case since since Ferguson retired, that when you get that level of power, that it must it must go to your head slightly. And again, you've talked about Edward Wood being, being, a, being a, a decent human being. And again, I'm not questioning him. I'm not abusing him personally. I'm just saying that I think someone like him, Richard Arnold, guys who, I don't think I'm speaking out of turn here, aren't exactly football experts being employed in those roles. I think it's hard not to get carried away and maybe think you're playing football manager or whatever it may be and, and like the fact that you get to make the decisions. Let's be honest, Phil, if you and I get, if someone phoned you and I up tonight and said, come on into Manchester United and help us pick the next manager, you'd, you'd jump in the chance. You wouldn't be thinking about your relative inexperience and what do I know compared to football experts. You'd be absolutely delighted to help and, and you would absolutely want to shape the club that you love. So... I think that there's an element of that. Um, we've talked about square pegs and round holes upstairs. And I think the other aspect of it is they don't seem to know what they want to do. I was reading a piece from Andy Mitten in The Athletic this week about Darren Fletcher, where Darren Fletcher's the technical director by job title, but he's seen in the dugout, he's seen on the pitch when the players are doing warm-ups. Compare him to someone like Michael Edwards at Liverpool or Julian Ward, who's going to take over from him. You never see or hear from these guys um, particularly on the field. You see them in the stand, they're doing their work in the background, they're involved in recruitment, they're involved in managing a group of scouts and data analysts. Yep. These guys aren't involved on the training pitch. So, And that's not a slight at Darren Fletcher, by the way. He's, he's a guy who I know at United um, internally respect an awful lot, and, and so do many of the, the, the playing staff as well. But I just wonder... <sighs> Why why is he in the role that he's in if it's a role that potentially isn't best suited to him? Because if he's involved in coaching and on the bench and giving players advice, as he even saw at the weekend, should he be in a different role at the club? I know he was linked with the, the, the caretaker job. Obviously, I think United have, have done the right thing by keeping him away from that if they're going to have him behind the scenes. But there just seems to be such a wishy-washy... Um, thought process behind United and one point on Pochettino that, that, that you mentioned you go from being the media darling when you're at Tottenham to being the media mm-hmm. darling when you're at Manchester yep, United yep yep and you'll find that out very quickly and I think absolutely one, right now. The, one, the one thing that I find concerning is if you believe all the reports today and to be fair they're coming from really reputable sources Simon Stone's been reporting on it um, Sammy Mockball uh, um, and others are reporting it as well that Pochettino and his camp are getting it out there that they want this job now, and I'm again. I'm not. I'm not downplaying the the uh, the size of Manchester United here. I really am not, Phil. So please don't take it that way. But if you're willing to walk out on Messi, Neymar, Mbappe, and a team of superstars who could feasibly win the Champions League to join this Manchester United now, having already leaked to the press that you don't get on with Leonardo and that you're finding it difficult to manage egos. That, to me, is a concern. Is he taking the United job if he takes it now for the right reasons? Or is it as quote-unquote, I don't know how you could say this, I suppose, given the state of United, an easier option? Because it, I was listening again to Julian Larong's today and Gab Mercotti, and Julian Larong's obviously, he's a PSG fan, obviously a very mm-hmm. good journalist as well, was talking about Pochettino in Paris has been very uncomfortable so far. The egos, the internal politics, it's not sat, sat well with him. His family still live in London as well. He wants to return to England. So my only concern is, is he wanting this Manchester United mm. job now for the right reasons or is yeah. it convenient 
and he knows if he signs a five-year deal, even mm. if it was to go badly, and as you talked about, is he passionate enough about failure and losing, that he'll get a big payout anyway. Again, very cynical point of view from me, but I, I just question his so-called desperation to take the job right now, given the squad of players he's got at his disposal. Well, I want to play devil's advocate for him here. I want him to want to go right away. I still believe this is one of the top three jobs in world football. I think there's a couple of jobs that if you get offered, you break your own principles, right? I think obviously Pochettino being Espanol affected his ability to be, you know, for to be considered for the Barcelona job or, you know, Real Madrid job. He's Hispanic. They identify heavily with Barcelona, Real Madrid. You know, those are, those are uh, you know, the kids growing up in, you know, in Hispanic countries worship these football teams. So um, I think if he gets offered one of those jobs, I can completely understand him walking out in PSG. Um, PSG are a big football club and uh, in a, in a, in a good league, not a great league, a good league, right? I think some people are very disrespectful um, of the French league and really um, it's ignorance, you know, because some very good teams are. And... Uh, but that being said, he has such a massive advantage over everybody else that it really isn't acceptable to not win to, to not win the league in France. He should be winning the league, right? Now I'm not going to turn around and say he got exposed, he got found out, blah blah blah. First of all, and this is what we're talking about. Can we mentioned this earlier? The difference between being a good coach and a good manager, right? When you're managing a dressing room with a caliber of players like. Messi, Messi, Neymar, and some. Sometimes it's easier to manage players that are just a little level below that, right? That aren't so consumed. I mean, they don't. If you take a look at some of the problems the PSG have, some of those problems are a result of players respecting Pochettino, right? Um, Neymar has, and Messi have had, you know, petulant moments, whatever. You know, uh, so. <clears throat> um, I think uh, with, with Pochettino, you don't wait because what if a repeat of the interim situation happens again and that job's not available in the summer? You know, because I think if you get up with the opportunity to come to Manchester United, you do it now. A lot can change over the next six months. That job may not be there six months from now. So if you want to be Manchester United manager and that job's on the table, you get yourself out of PSG because here's the thing, Matt. See if Pochettino goes on three-game defeat, run, runs of defeats, gets battered, they'll sack him in a heartbeat. So, you know, this is, uh, I think, if you're Pochettino, you also have to be thinking, you know what, January's a couple of weeks away, right? There's a good thing for you native fans, hoping that Claude invest. I'm sure he's having those conversations. Get in now, right? Get that job now. This is actually a perfect time, right? We're mid-November, Six weeks till the window opens, gives you an opportunity to make assessments, educated assessments before that window goes, and you go ahead and make those adjustments, right? Van der Beek was magnificent at the weekend, maybe the only positive, right? I want to see him play. I want to see him get more game time. Bruno Fernandes should be dropped, Callum, right? Bruno was appalling at the weekend, and he hasn't played well all season. He was responsible for the first goal, and there was a noticeable difference when Van der Beek came on and played in an attacking midfield role. Uh, I really hope he gets to play, I, and it continues to keep his place. There may be, maybe, Van der Beek's career at Manchester United has been salvaged, right? 
I'm sure lots of those players, Tellez, Van der Beek, maybe even Lingard, are sitting there thinking, well, maybe not. Maybe 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 we stay if the right guy comes in, right? So I think um, it's going to be really interesting to see what you need to do here. But I think if they can get Pochettino in now, Pochettino should jump at that. I think, as I say, given the reports, it seems to be that he and his representatives representatives are pushing for that. And it's clear that he is highly respected behind the scenes at United in the sense that Sir Alex Ferguson is known to have been for dinner with him several times and has talked up uh, him as a manager that he would like to see do well and probably end up at United one day. So it's clear that he maybe has support in the right places at United and if he gets offered the job now, do I think he'll take it? Yes. The only reason I was, I'm given those slightly cynical viewpoints is can he handle friction? Can he handle um, egos? Can he handle something that could be slightly dysfunctional behind the scenes as we've seen with United? Questions to be asked there. But one thing I would say in his favour is even at Tottenham, he's shown it, and in his career as a whole, he's shown uh, as a manager that he's willing to promote youth. United are a club that should always be in tune with a youth academy. Mason Greenwood and Marcus Rashford uh, in recent years have shown that you really can produce top-class uh, players from your academy setup. So that's a box that he certainly ticks. He certainly ticks the box of trying to play nice attacking football. The question mark, of course, Phil, is coming down to... We know he can win games of football, but can he win enough to take you to the big trophies? He's not been able to do that in his career yet. He's won a French Super Cup and a French Domestic Cup. That's his only major honours as a mm-hmm. manager. So if he comes in, the pressure, of course, is on. But I do think he ticks boxes that United will want him to tick. And if he comes in, of course, as you said at the start of this show, he'll have my full backing. I just hope that if they get him, they get him now rather than the summer because you asked me that question about the interim. I really don't see an obvious interim fit. I think mm. Wayne Rooney, as you've said, would be someone that could come in and, and lift people. And he's definitely a, an abrasive enough character to demand high standards. But other than Rooney, I mean, I'm really struggling to think of a name that can come in in, in six months. I love Steve Bruce, uh, man, another Manchester United legend, but I think that'd be a disaster waiting to happen. I think after Newcastle, he's better off out of management for, for his own good and the good of his family. Because his statement after he left that job was telling of a man who has been through an awful lot. And I don't think he's someone who should be parachuted into this current Manchester United. I think if I'm Pochettino's agent, what I would say, Callum, is, look, there's different metrics of success, okay? It's not fair if you're managing Southampton to say, well, he didn't win the league, okay? Because that's not success at Southampton. So success at Southampton is if you get in the top eight. To me, that is commensurate with winning trophies, right? Because really what you're saying is, can you get, and so I make an attack for this, but let me explain this. What really what you're saying is, is your team greater than the sum of its parts, right? What is your cash value to this team? What can I, can I measure your contribution? Okay, if I look at Liverpool, you can easily see where if Jurgen Klopp leaves, what will happen. You can easily see at Manchester City, if Guardiola leaves, what You can easily see this in other... So, so with Pochettino... You could see the, the, what, the, what he was doing with Southampton. You could see what he was doing with Espanyol. Got Spurs to European Cup final, PSG. So I think we're at, he's at a club now where it's reasonable to expect him to win trophies. But I think um, after that, uh, I, I think I can understand why Southampton and Espanyol 
it's really not fair to expect him, you know, to judge him on trophies won and lost because they're not football clubs that win trophies. Um, you know, and, and it exposed within a whisker of winning a European Cup. That that is definitely success. There's definitely it's definitely he he's done a, a good job. But he's been a professional football manager since 2009. He should be winning trophies. He's 49 years of age. He's He's at his profile. United like him. He's not going to be a, an abrasive character where you're going to have to worry about him saying stuff in the media. He's classy. The Spurs fans love them. The Spurs players love them. You know, so uh, I'm not completely against them. There's lots of areas that I'm, I'm I'm optimistic. And let me tell you something, mate. If he gets the job, I will back that man to the hilt and want him desperately to win, even if he isn't my first choice, right? And uh, Pochettino was born in Murphy, Argentina, so there must be a wee bit of a party in there somewhere. Only one of us, sir. We Irish man. Uh, nah, mate. And if that doesn't work out, then I think we're going to go next day plug. <clears throat> <laughs> well, at the end of the day, I think uh, Steve's doing a good job, Scotland. <laughs> to be fair, I don't think you do, mate. I don't think he would do a bad job to the end of the season, put it that way. But I think he'll stay with Scotland till now. Nah, sure. I just didn't. Right here, mate. And <laughs> as an Irish man, I have to say how much it makes my heart burst and speak with seeing Scotland do well. You know, out here in America, I always tell people, oh, um, I hope you don't, I hope you don't get upset at me for saying this, but um, Scottish Irish were the same people, right? You know, there are Celtic cousins were the same people, and uh, I love seeing Scotland as a nation do well. And I think same with same with the Welsh, never really, uh, English lads too. You know. Um, I know uh, it's anathema for an Irishman to say, but I like to see athletes from my part of the world all do well. I, I, I don't think there's anything wrong with that. Um, you know, I think uh, not necessarily supporting you know some of the the nastier sides of uh, nationalism. I don't like that, but um, I love seeing the of Scotland do do well. And I don't know how we got off on this topic, but uh, you know, um, I think uh, to bring it back to your native mate. Um, other, other, and we'll, we'll finish this up quickly. The other, uh, of course, candidate that was linked heavily was Brendan Rodgers, um, someone from my own part of the world. Um, I have the same concerns with Brendan Rodgers that I have with Pacheco, right? Really nice guy, nice coach, all that there. But is he the right guy? I don't care about his past hang-ups. I don't care that he used to coach Liverpool. I don't care. Same way when Matt Busby played for Liverpool and said he wasn't an issue. Same way when Antonio Conte goes and wins the league with Inter Milan after managing Juventus. Same way, you know, you see this with, 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 with other football clubs around the world. What's more important for United right now is the right guy, not silly metrics that exclude someone or, or uh, silly reasons to exclude someone because of you know, uh, some technicality. The right guy is the right guy, no matter what. Absolutely. And I think it's vital that United get this next appointment right, because as we've, we've both said, I think Ollie could be seen as a bridge for United getting back to, to some level of real success. I think there is a lot of attacking talent there. Hire the right man and United can, can continue to go forward. I just hope if it is Pochettino, they go and get him now and he can start to, as you've said, Phil, assess the squad in the next six weeks, rebuild in January and go again because there is nothing better than when Manchester United are winning and putting smiles in their faces. And you and I want nothing more than that to return. And I'm sure the listeners do as well because at the end of the day, a good Manchester United leads to a happy show and, and some nice conversation. At the moment, it's been a dark period. 
um, in recent weeks. It's been a tough period, but hopefully things can turn in the next few weeks and, and we can see a swift appointment because nobody wants us to drag on for weeks and weeks and weeks without um, without with endless speculation because it does nobody any good. So fingers crossed it can be resolved and we can focus on, on games of football again. Just a last point Mel, on this. And one of the reasons why it's really, really important, you know, to make this decision now. Let's say, you know, to make this decision now, um, come January, you know, we found our feet again. We're on the back of four or five wins. You know, there's momentum. You know, there's, you know, on the peripheral, the top four, they're right there. That's really important if you want to go into the market. Because what you can't do is have another five, six defeats to be nowhere near the top four and say to a good player, hey, we're going to pay you. I know we're, we're, we're not doing well right now. I know there's not much to believe in in terms of this sporting project. I hate that term, the, the term but, um, but we'll pay you a bit more so that you come and overlook all these things. Instead, you need to go back to the market and say, this is a football club moving in the right direction and uh, you want to be here. You want to be a part of this. And, um, you know, Callum, I... I uh, I, 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 this was the right decision if you needed to make. I understood why they didn't want to make it. Um, you know, I've been quite critical of the football club for a lot of decisions in the past. Um, I don't fault them for giving Solskjaer the job at all. Um, I know they desperately didn't want to do this. I don't think there's a perfect way to sack Solskjaer. Um, I think they would have preferred he resigned. Um, but nonetheless, it seems like it's been done on good terms. And if you're a United fan, and and I and I, I I really mean this, right? Not if you're someone who happens to support Manchester United because your favourite guy works for the football club. I'm talking about you support that football club no matter what. Respect Solskjaer and everything that he did for our club. Respect that man and realise that he is a legend of this football club. He was treated poorly at the end, but by certain people who should have known better. But give that man peace, show him gratitude, and I hope at the next United game we see United fans celebrating him and, and, and paying tribute to him. I'm going to be over there for the Burnley match December 30th, so in a few, so a month from now. Really looking forward to going back to Old Trafford. Uh, haven't been for a few years. So um, I'm looking forward to, to meeting up with a few United fans that uh, I haven't met in person. And uh, hopefully by that stage, United will be back on the front foot and uh, will be, be exciting to watch again. So, uh, mate, thanks for doing this. Uh, we've been talking for weeks now that uh, there was inevitability about this, unfortunately. I'm going to record with Danny Higginbottom here shortly, where we'll get into a bit more of the technical um, coaching aspects. And uh, as always, mate, thank you so much for taking the time to do it. Folks, don't forget, check out this guy's Twitter feed. Uh, I'll leave you, Calm, to tell them your Twitter feed and where they can find your content because your interviews are incredible. This guy constantly interviews legends and uh, works for a number of different outlets. And uh, it's always my privilege to have him on here, mate. Go ahead and sell yourself. Genuinely appreciate it as always. You can follow me on Twitter at CallumFWA. Um, normally produce a hat-trick of interviews each week for World Football Index. Tomorrow's interview will be with uh, Brendan Batson, who was obviously Brilliant. a highly respected player and the first black player to, to play for Arsenal, which he mm -hmm. talks about candidly as well. So uh, thank you, Phil, as always, as I say, for having me on the show. Thank you to everyone who gets in touch after these shows to say that they've enjoyed my insight because I wouldn't be doing this if it wasn't for uh, Phil inviting me to do the show and right. without his friendship. So genuinely, thank you very much.
Yes, folks, and much right back at him. And last message, uh, say this every week. Hopefully your mental health's good, folks. Hope you're all doing well. I know this is a tough time for everyone. People losing lots of stuff, losing their jobs, losing hope, you know, and, and, and lots of people are in a dark, lonely place. You know me and my mental health all over the place. One day good, one day not so good. You have nothing but my love and support if you're struggling. I swear, I, I know how difficult it is. Uh, I wish I could wrap my arms around you from where I am and tell you, I love you, you matter, and I can't wait to see the best version of yourself. You're not alone. We all go through this. Some worse than others, I accept. I accept that your struggle is unique to you, but there are people out there who care, and I'm one of them, right? I swear to God, I care about you. I care, and I know that you do, and I'm so grateful that you give me your time, your ear, your attention to listen to my voice, and know that when I'm doing this, I think about the people listening to this and where they are and what they're doing. Might be walking the dog or with a car or in a car or whatever. And I'm thinking if they're struggling, the pain you're in, because I know what that was like and done that myself. I want to reach out to you and know that I care about you so much. I swear to God, your mental health, your physical health really, really, really matters to me. And I, I, I want you in this world. I want to hear from you. I want you to tweet me. I want you to tell me you listen to my podcast. I want you to tell me what you think. I don't care if you disagree. We respectfully disagree. That is wonderful. Most of the positions I hold today are a result of someone disagreeing with me and giving me better information. That's perfectly fine. All I care about is your mental well-being. But lads and lasses, Callum, I'm sorry to have to be for both of but we live in a world where women are judged solely on their looks, which is one of the reasons why uh you know as they age you know becomes more and more toxic and um you know they're they're reduced to having to show themselves off on social media because we've trained them to believe that their only their only currency is their body and it, there's a multi-million billion dollars industry and cosmetic surgery and everything else convincing women that they need to be better you are perfect the way you are I, I see women on social media uploading pictures. You are absolutely flawlessly gorgeous. Please don't don't get inside your own head. And for lads, lads are judged on status and money, which is where we get this toxic bullshit of no days off, no days off, because I need to get to a place where I've got money and I've got status and I've got this big job because then the entire world will love me and I'll be this alpha male. And all the girls will be throwing themselves at me. I'll have houses, I'll have mansions, I'll have cars. It's bollocks. All of it. It's bollocks. There's advertisement convincing you you need this to be happy in May. We have a result, the result of which we've got massively overprescribed society taking antidepressants because they're not allowed to be happy. Be happy today. Don't postpone it. There's no happiness around the corner that you can buy. You are perfect the way you are. I love you. Thank you so much. Calm. All the best, mate. All the very best. Take care. Lads, mate. See ya. Cheers.